The homilies for sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at Christ the King Catholic Church in South Bend, Indiana, a parish of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the scripture upon which it was based. While the content is the same as the homily preached, it has been recreated for the quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones, and the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, here we go with one of the real head-scratchers for me down through the years. And based on a review of the literature, I'm not alone. I mean, what does this gospel mean? And who do these characters represent? Is Jesus actually saying that the guy who is fired for mismanagement and then rips off his master is the good guy, having done something worthy of imitation? And what about the debtors? Are we to believe that they are naive, honest people, or no better than the steward and willing to take advantage of his dishonest offers for their own benefit? Would someone please explain to me why anyone with common sense would give a dishonest person like this steward who has lost his job for incompetence and ripped off his boss on the way out the door, a job working for them, let alone invite him to live in their homes. And finally, what in the world could Jesus mean by telling his listeners to, quote, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings, end quote. Well, With regard to the dishonest steward questions, I am very happy to say that even though I had to go back 1,700 years, I have found an answer that works for me, and I hope it will work for you as well. My reference, of course, is good old St. Gaudentius. And if that is not your confirmation name and you have never heard of him, well, I'm not surprised. He was a bishop in Brescia, Italy, from 387 to 410. And among the many letters and sermons he wrote, one was to a monk friend of his, who had written to him asking what this particular gospel passage meant. 
Gaudentius response provided the mystical interpretation, which was that the rich man, the master, was Almighty God, the steward was the devil, and the debtors are the rest of us. The thought being, and I am paraphrasing here, that the devil had lost favor with God, and in light of Jesus coming to earth, sees his time coming to an end, so he basically tries to win over the souls of the world by reducing their debt owed to the master. Now, this is an, inter- an interpretation that works for me. It certainly makes sense that God appreciates the effectiveness of the devil's practice of selling a discounted gospel. I mean, after all, the steward didn't show up at the doors of the debtors and say, here, let's just tear up your note and throw it away, as no one would have believed that they could have gotten away with that. No, he says, let's just mark it down. I'm going to give you a discount. And of course, that is an offer they can accept. And then, so here comes the devil attempting to sell us a discounted way to salvation with a watered-down gospel. He doesn't come out and say all murder is okay, just that it's an acceptable choice when it comes to the unborn and those really old folks. He doesn't say it's okay to cheat on your spouse, but he does want to mark down adultery so that lusting after porn is an acceptable pursuit of freedom of expression. He doesn't tell us to stop giving to charity completely. However, he suggests that rather than write the check for that set amount at the beginning of the month and perhaps have to do without some extras at the end of the month, we just go ahead and spend whatever we have on whatever we want and donate what, if anything, we have left over at the end of the month. Basically, the devil is telling us to love God with half a heart, half a mind, and to love half our neighbors knowing exactly where that will lead. And that watered-down devil's version of the gospel can quickly lead us to a distorted view on personal wealth, which brings us to the dishonest wealth question. You know, I used to think when I heard the opening story of this gospel about the steward calling in those debtors, asking how much they owed, and then cutting it in half or taking percentages off, I thought, you know, this guy is just ripping off his master. He's just taking and giving his master's stuff away. Then I realized, you know, we are all just stewards of everything that we have, that we own nothing, and everything we have is a gift from God, comes from God, and belongs to God. No matter what the world, the flesh, and the devil may tell us about ownership or possession or personal financial assets, for the Christian, the concept of personal wealth is false. There is nothing that we have, no bank account, no IRA, no house, no car, nothing that is ours. It is all God's. We are not owners. We are, in fact, stewards of what God has entrusted to our care. In that light, then, any sense we have of personal wealth is not an honest understanding of that stewardship. And given this perspective, Jesus' advice makes perfect sense if we have accumulated, quote, dishonest wealth, by treating God's wealth as our own. We should then use that wealth to love God and neighbor, caring for those in need and spreading the gospel, so that we might, as Jesus told the rich young man, have treasure in heaven, when, at the end of our lives, all earthly wealth fails. If we are not trustworthy with what belongs to God in this world, why would he trust us by giving us the true wealth, the treasure of eternal life in heaven, that he meant for us from the beginning. Is it not then wise for us as stewards of God's wealth, 
given to us to mind for him during this brief time that we are on this earth, to also be prudent. He really asks us to do nothing more with what he has given us than what the steward was doing. He asks us to give it back to him in his disguise as the needy and the poor. Then when we are called at the end of our life to give an account of our stewardship to our master, won't it be great to look him in the eye when he says, what did you do with the property I entrusted to your care? And say, Lord, I gave it all away, just like you told me to. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.